Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Really excited to uh, be tracking with you in this conversation today at really still the dawn of a new year in what I believe is a really first things first uh, critical conversation for uh, leaders in local churches, but probably more generally, just followers of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I'm excited to have with me a, a good friend named Krista Hesselink. Krista, hi, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure if you've been on the podcast before. I know as a church, uh, we've had you speak at our It Takes a Village series in July uh, on one or two occasions. So you're certainly a friend of Southridge, and I mm-hmm. really appreciate that. But for those of us who have never met you, uh, can you just kind of introduce yourself and give us a bit of your just your personal background? Yeah, sure. Well, um, my name's Krista, and I live in what's known as the most beautiful village in Ontario, which is Elora, north of Guelph. And um, yeah, I I live here on my own. Although my parents live five minutes away, which is fantastic. And I actually moved here about six weeks before the pandemic started. So that that makes for an interesting transition to a new small town. But it's actually been a really good decision. Um, and I I started something just under three years ago called Soul Play. And it's the work that I do, helping people slow down so that they can wake up to their life, wake up to their soul in order to love well. So that's what I spend my time doing. And that's pretty much what we're going to dive in today. Anything, uh, anything that you want to share about your experience of the pandemic? Any interesting twists or? Oh my! Well, I yeah, sure. I I have learned that I can spend a lot of time on my own, and I haven't gone crazy yet. Oh, I don't think so. Anyways, uh, that's that's been a good learning for me. Um, as an extrovert, I found the very early days of the pandemic extremely, really, very, very difficult. And I think I'm starting to uh, figure out how to um, feed that part of me in sort of COVID-friendly ways. So the the weekends have been really important for me, but I live on my own. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've learned a lot about what I need to do to um, to stay well uh, as an extrovert living on my own in a pandemic. There's no like pandemic puppy in your story. No, there, there's been pandemic puppy desires, but I haven't quite made the leap yet. Although okay. it, it, it's in, it's on the horizon, I think. So we'll see. <laughs> We've had a few in our circles. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of been a thing lately. Um, listen, I want to dive into your world, uh, in soul play and, and get as much of the value of that, uh, in today's conversation. But before we do, um, I know that we, we met back when you worked in the context of a local church. So can you start just kind of talking about that and even your ministry background? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I worked in the local church for over 10 years. And in, in that time, you did a bunch of different things, including uh, some teaching and some leadership development. 
worked with young adults for quite a while, but I think the the part where I interfaced with Southridge's community most was with my my particular work with our local and global um, compassionate outreach work. And so I really connected really closely with Tim Arnold, a former staff member there, and um, and learned a lot from Southridge on so many levels when it came to that work. So yeah, so I, I worked in the the church for about ten years and. Um, transitioned into a uh, denominational role for a while as well. So I was an executive leader in both the church and the denomination and did that for, yeah, well over 10 years. Yeah, and since then, I've been a good friend and, and mentor to Annie Froze, who now, mm-hmm. after Tim Arnold, has been our, our executive director of homelessness uh, at Southridge. And I know she's really appreciated your voice in her life and in mm-hmm. our ministry through her in that context. So you had a lot of, of connection in those different ways. I guess from a local church leader perspective, what did you enjoy about local church work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I really did enjoy supporting leaders doing what they did, whether they were staff leaders or volunteer leaders. I, en- I enjoyed being a part of, of what they were trying to do. I also really enjoyed um, the ways in which uh, I could, I could, work with others to create, uh, I'll just say creative experiences to transformation, creative ways to grow uh, in, in faith journey and faith life. And I, I, when, when I was given those opportunities, I, I really enjoyed them. Just getting creative, doing things a little differently. And so from that background, really being focused on the 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 discipleship and personal transformational side of of local church work what would you say i don't even know how to ask this like what would you say you noticed either about yourself or people leaders whatever that eventually led you to into this new ministry into soul play can you talk about that transition sure well i mean there's obviously lots of different reasons that get layered on top of each other in terms of a transition out of a formal work in a ministry setting into my own thing. But, you know, this idea of transformation has always been something that's been uh, really close to my own story. And what I was realizing was that much of what I was kind of interested in and wanting to do, I was just finding it increasingly different, difficult to do in sort of the institutional organized church setting. And, and, I, and I saw that, you know, we as church leaders were talking an awful lot about transformation, but year over year and, you know, after many years, just realizing maybe we weren't actually getting, getting as close as we thought we were or getting as close as we wanted. And, you know, I was noticing that much of what we were doing had a lot of conversation about talking about God, but not necessarily experience of knowing God. And, you know, this is obviously big, big brush statements. So I, I certainly don't want to, you know, poo-poo my experience too much. But I, I think I was just wanting people not to know just what to believe, but how to believe, if that makes sense. Um, that's that there were so many people in the church who, who were really seeking and they found, and it was a beautiful experience to, 
to wonder about the nature of life and love and find it in Christ. And, and then I just found that maybe we were only just helping people seek and find once. And that I, I, this fundamentally um, bothered me that we actually are always meant to be on a journey of seeking and finding and that the church for, for some really good reasons and not good reasons actually has some limitations that you hit the ceiling kind of quickly if you're trying to seek and find and seek and find over and over again. And yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be too cryptic in that, but that, that, that felt, that felt a little bit like an impetus after I took some, some time away and rested and just really sort of searched my own soul. You know, what is it that I feel like I want to do? Well, I actually want to help people um, discover this, this transformation that we talk about. And I want to, help people continue to seek and to find and to con- consult their soul and not just um, not just have this mental ascent to right belief. And so that's kind of where I started. Um, okay. And so you use this word a couple of times now, this word soul that then mm-hmm. drove this, this ministry title called soul play. Uh-huh. Um, what are you getting at in the title soul play? Yeah, well, you know, like any good title or any sort of good idea, it sometimes just falls into your lap. And I, I distinctly remember going for a walk, which is one of my favorite things to do. And this this word soul play just kind of dropped into my my mind and my heart. And at that time, I didn't even know what that would be used for. I was still kind of coalescing some of the ideas that I have, but essentially... You know, we we talk about a life of faith and our spirituality. I think it's really appropriate to, to use the word soul. You know, we often think that the soul is somehow this physical place located somewhere in our chest. <laughs> and I like this idea that the, you know, the soul is not in the body, but the body is in the soul and the heart is in the soul and the mind is in the soul. It's this, the essence of who we are, the place where the image of God is implanted within us and our spirit mingles with the divine. And it's a, it's a, it's an important idea to consider. And then of course we talk a lot about soul work and I actually think that we should be adding some play into the idea of, of us connecting to these deepest parts within ourselves. So that's kind of where soul, soul play the name came about. Hmm, That's great. That's a great, that's a great uh, story. It's certainly a great, title a great name for for the kind of ministry work that you do obviously in the last three years you've been able to to really concentrate your energies on issues of the soul and i know this you know in a in a disciples in the in the classic discipleship buckets this kind of falls under what we would classically refer to as soul care mm-hmm. um i mean let's start out because this is what I, I really want to talk about in this first things first in the new year kind of a way well what is soul care all about and why does it matter so much to followers of Jesus, especially though to ministry and local church leaders? Yeah, it's a, it's a really important question. And, you know, I, I do agree that within, within, you know, Christian church circles, we often just put this moniker soul care on things. I actually would say that the work that I do, while it can be considered soul care, my interest or, or my focus is really more about soul aliveness or soul 
wellness or soul wakefulness, if you will. And I actually think that we would do well for the church to start framing some of our conversations in light of that. This is the vitality of our spirit, our soul aliveness versus sort of the soul deadness or soul sleep, sleepiness, sleepfulness. But what, what is it essentially? I think it's paying attention to the, the deepest parts of ourselves, the things that make us come alive and the, the love that is implanted um, by God within us that should animate our entire existence. And so when you ask, you know, why is it important or what happens when it's not there? Well, I think there are, are actual degrees of, of wakefulness versus sleepiness or degrees of, of aliveness versus deadness. And I think that to be well is to, is to, is to be vital um, in our spirit in our soul. And oftentimes I think the thing that I, I notice the most in myself and in others is when people are paying attention to the, the these, these deepest parts of themselves, if you will, the, the place where the spirit mingles with our own, we end up learning how to respond to life out of love versus react. And, you know, when we talk about having sort of the ears and eyes of our heart attuned. Um, you know, we're talking about putting on the mind of Christ. And this is, this is what we're talking about. I think we're talking about our, the vitality of our soul. And it, it's not just, you know, what we know about Jesus, or it's not just about the, you know, the classic ways of, of growing Bible study, prayer, service. It's, it's also the slowing down so we can wake up to this part of ourselves. And what have you noticed in your own life and in the lives of people that you through your ministry serve when it comes to just the, the, the difference in a person between deliberately paying attention to the condition of your soul, mm-hmm. kind of the consciousness of, of attending to uh, you know those deepest parts of, of who you are, versus the unconsciousness or uh, you know absence of attention or non wakefulness. You talk mm-hmm. about soul wakefulness. Mm-hmm. Like what what difference does this have on a follower of Jesus and particularly on a leader in the church? Yeah. Well, you know, I often say when I, when I work with people that we're, you know, you've probably heard this before, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And when we hear Jesus, you know, invite us and model for us what it means to be fully alive and fully aligned with the love of God, you know, that I think is, that I think is, is what um, fuels the fruit that I see. So when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness, goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, you know, these, these are the things that seem to, seem to, to bloom with either greater frequency or, um, deeper roots when people are able to still themselves long enough and notice their own habits of mind, their emo- emotional um, 
fixations, if you will, these places that in some ways make us more inhumane. And I use that word real purposefully, right? We're, we're called to be fully human. And I think the more humane we act, the more human we become. And these, some of these spiritual practices and paying attention to the movement of the spirit within us is actually helping us become more humane and more human as we're designed, intended, and invited to be. And, you know, spiritual practice um, doesn't make us perfect. It just makes us present. It makes us present to the presence of God. And so this is, this is the work that I do. I support people and leaders in slowing down long enough so they can practice the presence of God. And for many leaders, that is actually a very new experience. It's something that doesn't get trained in seminary. Um, we don't, we don't give it the time and space that we probably need to. And let's be honest, when we still ourselves long enough to look and gaze at our life and allow God to gaze at our life, there's some parts that get kind of hard to look at. And so we have a tendency to shy away from that. So, you know, that's why I think it's so important and it's, and it's effective, right. To, to do this work and play. Yeah, and it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to, to, to dive into a conversation like this at the dawn of a new year, when people are kind of imagining their transformation over the course of the next year, they're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, we find ourselves in that zone, had no idea when we booked this, that we'd be right in the middle of an Omicron variant that has mm. us here in Ontario, uh, virtually locked down again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's become, to me, it's become all the more important because I think on the surface, pretty much to a person right now, most people are not finding themselves in a great place. No. These days, they're not, not in a great mood. They're not in great spirits. They're defeated or exhausted or uh, weary is probably the, the, mm-hmm. the best word for, for people I know that I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders with these days. And so, you know, you're talking about even going just beyond those, those surface words and getting to the real heart and ultimately to the, to the soul of where, where you're at to experience this vibrancy of a life with Christ. And I know, you know, for, for so many people and, and even for so many leaders, this notion at the, at, at first glance feels so mysterious and elusive, mm-hmm. like at, at a, at a practical level, like what, what's the key to effective soul care or soul wakefulness? Like practically speaking, what do you do to practice this presence of Jesus in your life? Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things come to mind, but I, I think even in asking the question, Jeff, it's important to note that we, we are just naturally wired in the West to consume and to find like the silver bullet key. <laughs> and that's all, that's all I want in this podcast. <laughs> I know. And being a, a soulful, um, a soulful practitioner, uh, Actually, you start realizing, well, why does that, why is that my inclination? And what, what makes me so uncomfortable when I can't find the key? 
but all that to say is I do think there are, I do think there are a couple of things that really support this effort. You know, you, I think it, it, it's important to, to notice our, our natural inclinations for why we do what we do and the, the habits of mind and habits of heart, you know, that just takes a, a level of awareness and attention, which usually requires some slowing down. And I know that some of the leaders listening will just be like, listen, Krista, I don't have a moment to slow down. And, and I, I do appreciate the, the sense of urgency in, in this season of life and leadership right now. But what I would say is that there are, there are, um, you know, rhythms that we can put into our life for reflection. There are sort of rituals for, I'll just say receptivity. Some, you know, there's a, a lot of people talk about the, you know, creating a rule of life in, I, I think, I think that it's certainly old language and I think it sometimes turns people off and I, and I understand why. A rule of life, I think, really is just a rhythm for reflection or a ritual for receptivity, to be receptive to what is really real, what's happening right now, not, not an illusion of what's happening, not an illusion of where God is or what you think God is about or doing, but to, to really slow yourself down long enough and to notice that you can never be absent from the presence of God. And so there's these, there's these three words that oftentimes people um, in the, the work that I do talk about, and it's this idea of solitude, silence, and stillness, which again, I know there are many leaders who are like, all three of those things sound terrible to me. But what would it look like to be able to have a little bit of time alone, apart, away? And that could be five minutes in the morning, or that could be a half hour at the end of your day. What would it be to have, invite a little bit more silence? So not always listening to a podcast, not always reading a book, not always checking the latest email, um, but some, some real silence of the mind and then some stillness, you know, to not have the distraction of the next thing. You know, when I, when I work with people, I often ask them, when was the last time you sat for 10 minutes on your couch with with nothing to do except to just be you. So not to, not to sit and pray as you normally pray, not to uh, sit and think about your uh, to-do list or what, the, what you have to buy at the grocery store or what the next challenge is in your next meeting, but just to be you. And most people say that, that they, they don't do that. They haven't done that. And they would find that you know, mildly excruciating. And I think if we, if we can't be with ourselves for 10 minutes, then it's really going to be hard to get to some of those deeper places and the deeper motivations for why we do what we do and to discover where God is in the midst of them. In your guiding of people to grow in their soul wakefulness, mm -hmm. um, what, what is your favorite kind of ministry offering or your favorite practice or maybe even in your own life sure uh, yeah what is your favorite way to connect with jesus and, and why would you say that's your favorite 
Well, I think it, it really is different for different people at different seasons in life. So that right there, I think, is just really important. And for me it's as well, whether it's for myself personally or even in the work that I do with others, I would say it changes a little bit. One of the things that I um, do as a spiritual director, I mean, a spiritual director has a little bit of a misnomer in that I don't really direct the individual in specifics as much as I support the individual directing their own attention to their spiritual life and the movements of God within them. And so I really enjoy that ministry. That's a, that's a really powerful experience for me to be a companion to somebody and to support them um, in their own journey. So I, I do that um, on a regular basis. I work with the Enneagram. Some of the people who are listening might be familiar with that. So I'm a certified coach within the Enneagram tradition. And I find that that's a really powerful tool of self-reflection and awareness. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I really like to walk. And for me, um, that stillness and solitude and silence actually comes quickest when I am walking on my own. So I do a number of different things with soul play and as it relates to walking pilgrimages and reflective walking experiences. So I lead groups and individuals um, in those sorts of things as well. So it kind of is always changing for me, but it's really helping people um, get creative in, in how they're attending to their, to their soul. You know, I think that soul care is human care. So people should ask themselves, what makes me come alive? Where do I feel most like myself? When do I sense the, the voice of love in my life? I mean, that, then do that, do more of that. <laughs> and that, that's different for everybody at different times. That, in life. That's simple, right? <laughs> truly, truly. I mean, I, I think people think like, oh, I haven't taken care of my soul because I haven't done my daily devotions lately. I'm like, uh. Does that give, does that bring you to life? Maybe it does, but if it doesn't, what about going for a walk or what about spending some time in the workshop or gardening or, you know, making a quilt or whatever it happens to be. I, I mean, it's just, it varies, but it, where can you feel that, that deep sense of, of connection to yourself and to the one who loves you? Hmm. Uh, one thing that we talked about, specifically again for this podcast without even realizing when this would release and the the context of where people would be at especially in Ontario kind of right in the middle of this next wave of this pandemic um, we talked about you just taking some moments and walking us through an experience of soul attentiveness yeah. And so I just want to give you a few minutes to do that and hope that all of our Southridge members and all of the other uh, local church and ministry leaders listening would just kind of quiet our hearts and maybe take a breath and kind of enter in, even in a podcast format, enter into allowing you some minutes to do that. So go for it. Hmm, well, thank you. Well, you know, I, um, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. You know, some people think that um, just taking a couple of minutes to slow down and to breathe is, is not actually doing soul care. It's not enough, but I think at the end of this, you'll be surprised at just how easy, um, well, not easy, how, how effective five minutes can be. So I'm just going to invite everyone to wherever you are, wherever you feel comfortable to maybe 
become a little bit more aware of your internal world versus your external world. So if you're actually sitting down, um, you know, you might want to close your eyes or have your gaze cast downward and sort of in an unfocused way. If you're driving, uh, you know, maybe press pause and do this a little later. If you're going for a walk, again, see if you can bring your attention a little bit more to the internal landscape of your life. So you're not focusing on roles and responsibilities and agendas. You're just trying to notice what it feels like to be you in your body. So go ahead and, and notice the sensations in your feet. Notice the physical sensations of your hands. You know, if you're sitting still, maybe you can notice some tingling or some pulsing. Just notice what it feels like to be you right now in your body, whether you're sitting still or moving. There's nowhere you need to be other than right here and right now. You don't have to solve any problems. You just can be completely present in this moment to yourself and to God. Perhaps you want to bring some attention to your breath, some nice, long, slow inhales, and even longer, slower exhales. As your mind wanders, as it surely will, you just bring it back to your breath. Really following the air in and down. Nice, long, slow inhales. And longer, slower exhales. Continuing to pay attention to your breath. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word for breath is the same word used for the spirit of God. And so it is in the Old Testament. Ruach, the Hebrew word for breath and spirit, it's the same And so we use our breath just as a reminder of how close the spirit of God is within us and all around us. So really breathe that in. Breath is constant and reliable 
and it's given to you. And it animates and sustains your life, this breath does. And so does the spirit. Spirit is given and reliable and constant. And it animates and sustains your whole life. You don't have to understand it. You just have to receive it. It's mysterious. and beautiful. And it's here. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And it is God whom you live and you move and you have your whole being. So go ahead and take three nice conscious belly breaths, really following the air in and down. In God we live, in God we move, in God we have our whole being. Amen. You can slowly just begin to open your eyes and reacquaint yourself with your room with your location, knowing that God is here and is never absent and is always present. There you go, Jeff. Krista, thanks for walking us through that. Uh, I'm curious to those of us who are probably saying nothing else than, wow, I can't believe how much I needed that. Um, Hmm. how, How can we connect more with you? website, social media, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Well, if people want to learn a little bit more about me and what I do, they can go to my website. It's soulplay.ca. And they can search that on the socials as well. And I'm there. And I send out a newsletter occasionally that gives people updates of what I'm up to. I have a something coming up at the end of the month called Wise Body. And uh, Dr. Hillary McBride is going to be a part of that day. So people listening to that they might want to check it out but if this is passed and, and that's not no longer available there's just a lot of different things that come up on my calendar people can also check me out if they want to think about moving into a spiritual direction relationship or a coaching relationship with me um, all that's found on my website so thanks for the opportunity to share that jeff 
That's terrific. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that, Krista. Know that uh, you know on our staff team, at least, you've got a bunch of raving fans who uh, follow you really closely and, and, and track with the, the kind of ministry that you offer. Uh, I would encourage leaders listening and, and even our church members uh, to also be aware that as a leader's village, uh, one of the resources that we produce is a, a, a monthly webinar. And this month, uh, releasing this Friday, uh, is a similar conversation on this same subject uh, with another good friend of mine uh, out of Boulder, Colorado, named Mindy Caliguire, who's going to walk us through uh, some similar exercises and, and conversations about how we, as followers of Jesus, and especially as ministry and local church leaders, can first things first, attend to the dynamics and the depths of our soul. You know, I think about the verse that says you can gain the whole world. You could even gain the whole church. You could gain the whole, whatever you're trying to gain out of life, the whole success, the whole accolades. Uh, but to forfeit your soul is uh, ultimately of no value. And so uh, I just so appreciate you walking us through this conversation today, Krista. Really, really grateful for you spending the time. You're welcome. To all of you who are following along and tracking with us, appreciate you as well. And uh, we really look forward to engaging in another conversation like this in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Bye.